Hey everyone, welcome to Creepy Inquiries. A podcast dedicated to all things creepy, spoopy, and true crimey. With your hosts, Miss Kevin and Edie, your friendly neighborhood queers. in episode 82 to you and you and an episode 82 to you and a lovely episode 82 to you and yours don't fuck with me fellas this ain't my first time at the rodeo Faye Dunaway that's Faye Dunaway as Joan Crawford in Mommy Mm. Dearest if you can't reference that movie you can't listen to this. You can't podcast. sit with us. Yeah, you can't sit with us. How about this one? Sweet Caroline. Oh, oh, oh. Your pal Neil Diamond's 82. Do you guys remember when we were like 23 uh-huh. and you would go to any bar? at all and like at near closing time that was like the song that would come on and all the drunk it's people funny, would just I'd have to along. have been at a bar by closing time for me to have heard it I was never I'm yeah. never one to stay like I don't even know if it was closing time but it was like a thing at it like was multiple a thing bars yeah okay. it was a thing it was everywhere anyway let's get back let's from see. Uncle Corner who else do we have Ooh, Spirit Me Away Daddy, Hayao Miyazaki. Ooh, legend. Is 82. Ooh, give it up. Legendary. Happy. There are some truly excellent screen grabs from a documentary about Miyazaki-san. Mm-hmm. He must create, and he hates the the act of creating, and nice he's just so bummed all the time. So it's just like him. It's just him just smoking cigarettes bummed out about making some of the most incredible animated films of our time just tortured artist. so he's yeah he's an artist is what i'm hearing. he's an artist um one of my greatest forever crushes mm-hmm. and i don't know if y'all are the same brand of nerd that i am but like patrick stewart is 82 and he can still get it but he oh, could definitely sure get could. it sure in star trek next generation when he was in his 50s i think so yeah yeah Yes, that's not problematic at all. I, I he knew it. he had it. Yeah, he knew he had it like that too. Because like on Star Trek: Next Generation, there would be a, a little bit of unnecessary shirtlessness, some deep V's. Sure, sure, sure. There's that's some too unnecessary. It's not unnecessary to me, Mama. No, no. I want to see it. I want to see those glutes. I want to see his furry chest, his bootyus maximus. And also, like, if we're getting to Star Trek Next Generation hotness meters, we I think we've got to start. We, were. <laughs> we, we are, but we are, but we are because it's uh, it, it, it's Deanna Troy at the top 
then it's Dr. Beverly Crusher, <laughs> then it's Captain Jean-Luc Picard, then it's William Riker. Okay. You've heard it here, listeners. Uh, let's see. Who else do we have? Dion Warwick, 82, and Margaret, <gasps> oh, 82. Ooh. Bob Dylan, wow. 82. Legend, legend. Joan Baez, 82. Ooh. And famous lesbian Miriam Margolis, <gasps> yes. 82. Yes, I love her. 82. I love Me her. Too. Yeah, oh, she's great. She's great. Yeah, we have a good list today. Yeah. What have we been up to this week, chickadees? Ooh. Chickadees. What? I, I don't that. know. I tried. I tried it out. I tried it out. I like Hashtag it. Hashtag chickadees. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what did I do this weekend? The highlights of my weekend. I had a really good time. Saw nice. some friends. Saw some family. Watched some RuPaul. We're now at a top two, and it is what it is. All stars. Season eight. is this? All, all stars. stars eight. Eight. Okay. Yeah. There have been eight all stars seasons of just of the American franchises. The last wow. time I watched an All-Stars, it was season two. Wow. Of All-Stars. Well, All-Stars 1 was very bad. It was, that was yeah, like we the don't team's even speak of that one. one. No, I know. So that I was very bad. About it. Oh, we can speak about it. it was I don't bad. want to speak about it. My weekend was good, uneventful, yeah. mostly. I've been working. I just sent you guys an update of mm-hmm. my newest cross-stitch. Yep, yep, yep. It's for Amanda. Her birthday's coming up. Okay. Girlfriend of the pod. She does not listen to the show canonically, so I'm going to be mad if this is the first one she listens to. <laughs> but no, um, it's from Bob's Burgers. It's Coochie It's Louise's. Oh, yeah. Coochie Louise's favorite toy is this, like, anime, like, fake anime character that's like a nightlight, and he's got a whole, his, he's got his own plot line throughout the whole the seasons. But yeah, yeah. I'm doing Coochie the um, the kind of slightly mismatched vacant eyeball stare mm-hmm. of the coochie copy mm-hmm. mm-hmm. is absolutely yep. perfect. It's perfectly Thank encapsulated you. in this cross stitch. Thank you. Oh, Kevin texted me this week and let me know that while you were out at a bar, there were three people cross stitching next oh, yeah. to you. So I'm yes. cool as hell, and I will hear nothing to the contrary. Mm-hmm. I wanted to send you that validation. Thank you. Feel... That's the word I was looking for. I feel very validated <laughs> <laughs> in my love of cross-stitch. And uh, yeah, and then yesterday I drove to Philly and hung out with Amanda for a few hours. And that was perfectly Ooh. lovely. And uh, we, did, we did craft next to each other. So we're still very gay. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, that's perfect. But yeah. Edie, how was yours? Yeah. Well... Look, I've texted you both about this in our Queerdos group chat. (laughs) Uncle Edie has vertigo. (laughs) Uncle Edie does. He does. (laughs) Uncle Edie is in Lucille (laughs) 2. They're Lucille (laughs) 2 era. I've got a touch of the dizzies. <laughs> has it gotten any better since you were texting us? It has gotten a little bit better. Um, I still cannot safely drive so uh my mother is driving me to a work engagement that cannot be moved that is an hour and a half away (laughs) as someone who has to routinely spend three hours in a car with her crazy grandmother i can understand how this might be um a challenge (laughs) 
we have <laughs> been told that we are going to listen to the book on tape of her choice. So we oh. will see what that is. Oh. We also are recording on the day of my birth. It is my birthday today. That's right. Yes, Happy birthday. Happy birthday, birthday, happy birthday, birthday to you. Kevin and um, I know that as the Skateland birthday song. It's absolutely the Skateland <laughs> birthday song. And I I have I have been the pity invite to uh, many a Skateland birthday. It's a it's a you have to invite the entire class. Yes, those are the mm. invites I got too. Don't worry. Yeah, Don't uh-huh. Worry. Uh-huh. I didn't have friends. Eating pizza by myself. Ah, just Fallen. But so we're gonna get uh we're gonna get sushi later and then I'm gonna go to sleep early because I've Ooh, still that sounds like a dizzy. wonderful birthday. Yeah, it's gonna be great. <laughs> minus and, the um, vertigo. Yeah, minus the vertigo. And I've also been enthralled by the have y'all seen or heard of anything about this YouTuber named Colleen Ballinger? Yes, I have. She, I've been catching up on it. She has had some uh, credible allegations of grooming made against her, uh, which is not the fun part. The fun part is that she released a non-apology video that is a 10-minute long ukulele song, which mm-hmm. is the most twee millennial bullshit ever. And uh, it's it's the cringiest thing I've ever seen. I highly recommend watching somebody, you know, another YouTuber's reaction to it because it's not worth it to give her the views. But I've had the beginning of it. Colleen Ballinger. She had a character called Miranda Miranda Sings. Okay, I'll have to look her up. And I've just had the beginning of it stuck in my head. It's just like gling, 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 gling. And then she's like, hey. It's been a while since you saw my face. I haven't been no. feeling so great, so I took a break. And then she goes into oh. blaming everybody who's been well, she's on YouTube. calling her out. I love it. It's the war. It's the craziest fucking thing. She says she hasn't groomed anything except her cats, which is like, don't say that. She's a comedian. It's she's not comedian. funny. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's what's going on with me. Perfectly valid. Perfectly valid. And you know what else is perfectly valid? A true crime story that we want to hear. Who's got it this week? Oh, that would be me. Get it, Kevin. That song's going to be stuck in my head all day. Oh, that's okay. There could be worse melodies. True crime story. True crime story. story. Uh, So, yes, today on episode 82... Our main mateys, scrub the poop deck and raise your stairs <laughs> because I yes. am delighted to announce that my true crime story for episode 82 comes from, and I will always love to say this, comes from a request by a listener. Ooh. Ooh. A Thank request. you. Thank you to right. listener Megan T. Yes. I caught the email first before anyone else Ooh, saw it. Oh, Megan so. T, thank you so much. Thank you, yes, Megan. Yes, thank you. <laughs> so I, I, I'm here today with their request. And so picture it. New York City's East River, 1695. Ooh, Hell yeah. yes. I'm so fucking in. Yes. I'm such a history nerd. I'm so excited. Come aboard the pirate ship, the Adventure Galley, because we absolutely must introduce ourselves to the captain. 
His Ooh. name? Captain William Kidd. <gasps> All right. Captain Kidd. Captain Kidd with two Ds. Okay. A rough and tumble scallywag who's regarded as one of the most dreaded pirates in history, often mentioned alongside the likes of Blackbeard and Henry Mm -hmm. Everett. All right. Kid becomes a much more complex and really pitiable pirate, TBH, the more you read about him and his. Oh, fair enough. He was damned if he did, damned if he didn't. And that was life out there on the seven seas. Womp womp. Yeah. So it was always one step forward, five steps back for him. He was a pirate after all. Or or was he a privateer? Hmm. Ooh. You know, sometimes it's six of one, half dozen of the other in this golden age of piracy. I dare say. I dare say. Yeah. But let's start from the beginning. All right. William Kidd was born sometime in the year 1654 in Dundee on Scotland's east coast. He was a Scotsman. We do okay. believe that his Great. parents were... Now we know late. how my impression's going to go. Oh, oh goodness. <laughs> uh, we believe that his parents were John Kidd and Bessie Bashart. Uh, coming Ooh, from Bessie. a poor family, though, Kidd's early life is not recorded. Sure. But his story pops back up a few decades later in the mid-1680s. And that's okay. where we find him. He's in his early 30s. And he's making his way to a tiny island off the coast of Hispaniola in the Caribbean. And that name okay. is Isla Avache, which is French for island of cows. Oh, I want to go to the island of cows. Are they highland cows? <laughs> the <laughs> island of highland cows. I want to live there. Yeah, he sets out because he doesn't have any job prospects. He's a poor okay. And then his father dies, so his mother is a widowed poor. So he got Oh, nothing. God, she's not alive. Yeah. Uh-uh. <laughs> so at some point, she just sets him out, and he goes, okay, I guess I'll start sailing like my father did because that's all that I kind of know. Sure. On Cow Island, and that's where he meets mm-hmm. his future friend and even more future arch nemesis, Robert Culliford. Cute. Ooh, love that. Oh, Mr. Cauliflower Man. Ooh. Sorry. Yeah, both of them are sailors, <laughs> both of them are unemployed, and both of them are itching to get out there and see what they can plunder, I guess. Ooh, this sounds like a um, the beginning of a um, a, a film of some kind, maybe. Ooh. I'll yeah, they're going to have, they're going to have, like they're in a dirty tavern. pirate island. They're doing yeah. like a firm handshake to seal Very the deal firm. with their friendship. Aye. Mm-hmm. Aye. I, I matey. <laughs> but they, they both get hired onto a ship, but it wasn't exactly ideal because they were on a French ship. The crew was mm. predominantly French, but we had Kid, who was the lone Scotsman. And we had about a dozen or so Englishmen on board as well. But girl, okay. you know, beggars can't be choosers. Work was hard no. to find. They got what they could. Yeah, yeah. You're on a tie. You're on Cow Island. Take what you get. <laughs> and everyone was at peace with each other at that time too, countries wise. So there wasn't any like wars happening. No, no kerfuffles to find either. Piracy okay. was always an option for sailors at the time, yeah. but. Kid was trying to avoid that until he didn't. Look, I'm trying to strike out on my own. Trying to do it straight. Do it the right way. 
<laughs> I think a lot of people, given the choice, would not do it if they had a better option. <laughs> Just in general. Fair. And I believe we all know the difference between piracy and privateering, yeah? Yes, we do. Privateering is legal piracy. Yeah, one you've got a license and one you that don't. That is right. One is state-sponsored piracy. Yep, private ships are given a mark or some sort of delegation where they are able to strike specific targets. That's one of the downsides. They can only uh, hit certain targets. And another downside is they had to split whatever plunders that they got with the state, whoever sponsored it. But also, you know, light side is they got to do what felt like piracy and they weren't going to like in they weren't in fear of getting hung by the time they went right home right no it's like it's like safety pirating Mm -hmm. yes (laughs) except for all the pirating so there they are they're on this french ship doing privateering things ish and rumblings of war between france and the netherlands start breaking out and so as he is a messy bitch who loves drama kids decided that he probably did not have to wait until there was some actual action to get out mm-hmm. there and start roughing up some Dutches. You know what I mean? Hell yeah. I love Booty is back on the menu, boys. It's back on the menu, booty, boys. Booty, 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 booty rocking everywhere. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> ah, we're so old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Kid and his smallish crew of the French fleet, they start going down south from the West Indies to what was then called Dutch Guiana, which is now Suriname. And it's on Mm. the northern coast of South America. And they were going down there to fuck some shit up. On the way there, Kid and the other dudes stumbled on a, a, a nice, juicy target, actually. They found a cargo laden vessel that was coming from Havana and it was full of booty. It was full of booty, yeah. but it was just one problem. It was a Spanish ship. It was not a Dutch ship, so they did not have ah. the clearance for it. But, but, you know, guess what? Times is tough, man. Times is mm-hmm. tough. The French mm-hmm. fleet, they were privateering. Kid and his crew had their ship, and they weren't essential. They were not privateering. They, don't ha- they didn't have a, a letter of mark. We're kind of out here doing our own thing. We're not really, we don't have the paperwork on board. So, yeah. And like Spain, Netherlands, who cares? Who cares? So they took that Spanish ship. Now they have all the Spanish merch and this booty to divvy up though. And (laughs) I mean, it would be illegal if those French ships did take the booty that was from that sea Spanish ship. And of course they would sure. never do that. Of course they would never do that. Or no, never. No. These are privateers. They have integrity. Upstanding people. But they're also human. And- that's a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, because that's exactly what yeah. happened. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, there's too much tasty stuff on there. There was too mm. much. It's a buffet. And afterwards, um, getting their Spanish ship bounty, they continued on down to Dutch Guyana. But they were met by seven armed Dutch warships in the harbor, eagerly awaiting any kind of Frenchy fight. So those okay. French fleets got their ass whooped because, let's be honest, the French are never good at wars. They are mostly lovers, not fighters. So they suck. Look, French listeners, yeah. if you're there, we don't, 
Yeah, we're sorry. High. We're just we're just too American to care about your actual history, and it's easier for mm-hmm. us yeah. to reckon with what we've done by yeah. saying that you're by saying just exactly cheese eating surrender addicts. Yes, yes, they suck at actual battles, but they sure know how to fucking colonize. <laughs> they sure know. They sure know how to colonize, do. and they know their way around a riot. Yeah. Uh-huh. So by July 1688, the French fleet turned, hauled ass around because they got caught by those Dutch ships. And they were trying to decide what their next moves would be. And that's when some stunning news reached their ships. Dun, dun, dun. England had declared war on France. Done. <laughs> Loophole gliding Ooh, through. But they're on the same But they're on the ship. same ship. Yeah. Uh oh. In oh, addition, geez, on the French ship, they're on yes. the French. Mommy oh, and Daddy are getting divorced. So, oh, in no. addition to England declaring war on France, <laughs> pretty much every other European power declared war on each other too, and that's yep. mm-hmm. be, it's what became known as the Nine Years' War or the War of the Grand Alliance. I've heard of her. You've heard of her. There they were in this awkward situation on this French ship. About a dozen Englishmen, one Scotsman, and the French were thinking, you know what, though? It's canon. We outnumbered them on our ships, and I think we're all in this for the same deal, right? We all kind of just want to be pirates on the ship and she's not really be loyal. We're, like, we're putting. I never really considered myself much of a patriot, much of a nationalist. Mm. Yeah. No, 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 no. I mean, if presented with the same situation, I'm not, I, I'd be fine. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And again, the French have never been great at strategic plans when it comes to battles and things like that because the British crewmen on that ship turned out they were actually a little more loyal to the king than I guess anyone yeah. thought. Bootlicker. Bootlickers. And so once the war actually started breaking out, the French fleet started to attack this island in the West Indies. Most of the French crewmen got off of the main ships and they had gone to shore and the like 10 or so Englishmen and uh, kids stayed behind on the ship. And there was a couple other French soldiers staying on board as well, but they used that opportunity to go wild. They executed the rest of the French people on board. And they took those ships and they were like, bye. They couldn't just <laughs> oh, them? oh, well, I'm I'm terribly sorry oh, that you want to be alive. Oh, so I mean, sorry. There's, there, none of these pirates have posh accents like that. None of them. <laughs> none of them. No, but it's fun to pretend. <laughs> it's fun to pretend. Yeah. <laughs> so Whoa. they hauled ass and they went to the nearest British Isle, Neves. This is where they received a hero's welcome. They told everyone, look, this is what we just did. And they were like, they all right. Because they murdered a bunch of sailors. Mm-hmm. And they were invited People to drink the with same. the governor of the island. And that's where William Kidd was introduced to the first time in his life as Captain Kidd. Ooh. Yes. Ooh. He had made that's it, you That's got to really puff your chest out a little bit. Oh, yeah. Just get your shoulders, your shoulders back. And because of that heist, the stolen French ship that Kidd and the rest of them took, they had renamed it the Blessed William, and he became its new captain. All right. Okay. If I was I William, would... I'd be like, do we have a... 
like a second take. I don't know if I want to be like the blessed William. Like I don't know who came. The only up time with I've ever heard Jill. like the blessed is like the blessed Virgin Mary. But I, I definitely I do want a ship. <laughs> want to captain a ship that's named after me because I'm such a cool badass. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. fair, but blessed. The ruthless William. William. How about that one? Oh, no, that no, we're going with blessed. Oh, yeah, the... <laughs> uh, even though you know it was Captain Kidd, he was a privateering, so he was then essentially now working for the Crown as his own privateering ship for the British. Got it. And by that Christmas, the fleet was joined by another privateer captain and his ship. I believe the captain's name was Hewitson. Together, Mm. both of them led a royal naval assault on a French island named Marie Galant as revenge for an attack that had happened the following year. It was there that Captain Kidd locked horns with his former French shipmates that they absconded with their ships. So they kind of fought in those battles again. Ooh. fuckers. It was written about, oh, Captain Hewitson was a very complimentary of Kidd's fighting skills for the naval warfare, later writing that, quote, Kid was with me in two engagements against the French and fought as well as any man I had ever seen back in the English Isles. So mm-hmm. Kid was, I guess, worth his salt. I don't know. They were very <laughs> he familiar. Was it seems. Quite passable for a Scotsman. Yes. They hailed him <laughs> as a hero. They feasted him, or they didn't feast him. They <laughs> feasted him. <laughs> they they oh, all lined up. They Talk ate about his ass. <laughs> they ate his ass. No, sorry. Yeah, they hailed him as a hero. They had many banquets and feasts in his honor. Uh, one group of people, though, particularly, weren't as thrilled as everybody else, and that was his own crew. Why? Why? Keep in mind. They were now fighting under the crown because he was being a privateer. And they were not about that life. They wanted... they joined him. Yes. They wanted to do some pirating. And they demanded that Captain Kidd give up the privateering life and go out pirating. Which he was like, no, I don't think we should. No, they love me. I love that they love me. And just well, keep and holding like, on, guys. Yeah. It's I get the cruise deal though, because you're too. doing the same difficult work and the same crazy life, but giving half of it to the crown and you're limited into who you can hit. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So right. fuck that. Yeah, and yeah. he and, and that's the thing, kid was sitting pretty right now with his like association and hero status, so he didn't want to uh, right. change anything. No, either. kid doesn't want to change how right. it's going. Nope. So his crew voted against him. They said, fuck you, Captain. And they mutinied him. It's a mutiny. They sailed away on the Blessed William (laughs) during the night with all of the plunders on board. So all of a sudden... Bitch, I'd be so fucking... I know, he's now homeless and Kid wakes up in a hotel room like, all right, back to my ship, back to my... Oh, fuck. Where'd I leave the keys? Did I lose the keys? <laughs> Dude, where's my ship? Dude, where's well, my was, ship? Dude, where's my ship? Yeah. You're welcome. 
So the governor, uh, though, still liked him, and he still was being held in high regard. So Kidd was hired to command one of the Navy's privateer ships against the French. So he was given another ship. Fine, fine, fine. Fancy britches. Just have another one, William. Have another one, darling. Just keep doing our bidding. And he did for about a year, and he was awarded with his own ownership of the ship, which was nice. He had renamed that ship the Antigua. Okay. And he was now back to being Captain William Kidd again. He was not under the royal uh, sphere anymore, so he could do whatever the fuck he wanted. Oh, they just, like, gave him the But his hatred for his arch nemesis, Robert Culliford, and the rest Mm -hmm. of the mutineers that stole his, like, previous ship, that was always burning in his heart, in the back of his mind. I've got all this jealousy and rage for Robert Culliford. (laughs) So when he received word that his old ship, the Blessed William, had been spotted in New York City, he Uh, set sail. I'm I'm sorry, Kevin, what what city? New York City. New York City. New York City. New York City. So he hauls ass there, but of course it takes months. So by the time he gets to New York City, they were already gone. Just like, I missed them by months. (laughs) Arg. Arg. Just inches. Mere months. (laughs) (laughs) There he was in New York City, and then he gets embroiled. Kit gets embroiled in this really weird story from New York's history that I won't get too much into, but it's known as the Leisler's Rebellion. And that was in 1689. This guy, he was a wealthy Protestant merchant. His name was Jacob Leisler. He had heard back in England that King James II, who was a Catholic, was just opposed by William and Mm. Mary, who were Protestant. And so he figured, oh, Protestant revolution! And so he ended up Take, he ends up taking over the southern tip of New York City for like two Just years. Just the southern tip. tip. Just, Just the, the southern tip. tip. Just the tip. So he takes over part of the city? Yes. He has the fort. Okay. He takes over the forts there and he kind of leads that area. Well, also, this is what? Before 1700. So New York City is mm-hmm. a, is very different. It's forts and farmland. Exactly. No, the, the sharks and the jets have not come on the scene yet. <laughs> not fully. Seeds are being planted, though. <laughs> the king, the new Protestant king, William of Orange, who was William and Mary, he was mm-hmm. like, I didn't ask for this. This is really awkward of you. <laughs> I, I now have to name you a new serper. So he sends a crew. Oh, no! From England to take over and a new governor of New York to take over. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. So just as that force was coming into New York City, William Kidd was also coming in for his intended target. And then he found out, Kidd found out that the guys were already gone. And so the English with the new governor was like, oh, my God. Hey, can you actually give us a hand real quick? There's this weirdo guy that's in this fort. We need him out. And so... Mm -hmm. Captain Kidd says, I guess so, if there's money in it. But then ultimately his involvement wasn't even necessary because before anything could really take place, Leisler did give himself up because he realized, you know, it was a losing battle. And, you know, things happen to people that 
do things like that. Uh, so Leisler's fate was not a good one. The newly installed governor of New York uh, still sang kids' praises to anyone that would hear in those social circles in New York City. And so, again, he was being hailed as a hero, and he was defending the land from tyranny and the crown from tyranny. And he Obviously. was starting to get an, a new name for himself again. Oh. Everything's coming up, William. <laughs> <laughs> it's your time, my boy. It's your time. <laughs> oh, my God. I love that. Yes. So he met his future wife, Sarah, at a shindig, who herself was an extremely wealthy widow. By the time she was 20, she was twice widowed, and her Dang. previous husband had oh, buku, nice work if you can get it. Buku right? cash. So yeah. he marries her, and now he automatically becomes one of the wealthiest men in New York City overnight. Okay. Of where? New York City. <laughs> Thank you. So he sets up shop there. He buys some land, and he does this like wealthy thing for a while, wants to be a pillar of his community. But you can't keep a sea dog on land for too long. No. The sea calls to him. Yeah. After a couple of years, 1695 to be exact, kids sailed to across the pond to London because he thinks, yo, I have this idea. I've been a captain before. People love me at home. I'm like the hero of New York City. So I want to become a captain in the Royal Navy. And I think they will totally let me do that. Yeah. And plot twist, you can't just sure. go and ask to become a Navy captain. What? You can't? <laughs> not even if you're William Kidd? Not even if you're William Kidd. They're not just going to give you a captaincy in one of the most powerful navies in the world? No. Right. Yeah. He couldn't even get a meeting with someone to say no to. <laughs> oh, the no. He couldn't even get a meeting. of <sighs> these people. Oh. So as he's walking away like George Michael on Arrested Development with the Snoopy music. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> he ran into some friends that were uh, New York City merchants in London. And he was like, oh, my God, what are you guys doing here? And they were like, I don't know. What are you doing here? So they have a couple of pints <laughs> and they got a little drunk. I didn't just sit in a lobby waiting for hours for nobody to come out and see me. That's for sure. <laughs> it's not what I did. Everything's coming up, William. <laughs> so they all start drinking and they all decide to come up with this great idea to become their own privateering commission. What they would want to do is they wanted to be a pirate hunting privateering commission to shop around. To oh, like okay. go, looky, looky, this is what we can do. We can get your pirates for you. So they all become smitten with this idea and the wealthy merchants buy Captain his new ship, which he now titles the Adventure Galley. It's 1696. Here he is. He has a ship. He has a crew. He starts leaving London. So they start out going around that British Isles trying to find pirates or at least their treasures. They're not getting a lot of nibbles. So they decide to go where the pirates like to go. They choose to sail down to Madagascar, which was supposed to be one of the trendiest pirate havens of the day. But as Kid is known to do, he shows up after the party is long done. Nobody's there. Sir. His crew starts dying from cholera, scurvy. They don't have a lot of money to show for it. Okay. Oh, no. You've got to have oranges on your boat. Minimum. The, he was always afraid of getting re-mutinied by the crew. 
They always want to just be pirates instead of doing this privateering (laughs) shtick. He thinks he has a much better idea, but also he gave a self-guaranteed bond of like $20,000 or whatever to the investors that paid for all this. So he's on the hook, mama. He can't just stop it. You know, he can't just cease what he's trying to do. He can't just not be a pirate now. Mm -mm. No. But they get lucky. Somewhere along the way, they find the best ship that he will ever be known to have seized. It was a French ship around India itself, but it was called the Queda Merchant. That ship was filled with gold, silver. It had silks, muslins. It Mm. was full of beautiful things, Mama. So they take it over, and what's better is they took it over without bloodshed. Kid was proud of that. He got all of the stuff without having any of his men die. But his crew weren't really excited about that because that's what they're in it for. They want bloodshed and jewels. They're fucking pirates. (laughs) So the Adventure Galley, their ship, seizes that other ship that was under French ownership, but it was an Indian ship. It's complicated. So they think, oh, this is going to be a loophole. They're going to accept this. They're going to say it's like a French ship that we took over. Once word gets to England and France about what happened and what ship got taken over by Kid, both yeah. of those countries made him persona non grata. Ooh, okay. Because in the intervening time that he left London to when he captured that ship, the war between England and France ended. So they were at peace at that time, and Mm -hmm. they were trying to stamp out piracy in general. They wanted to make an example out of Kid specifically because it made so much news. So they labeled him a pirate, even though they sent him down there to do all of this stuff. Ugh, rude. You mean the government betrayed them? That's exactly what I'm saying. I don't fucking believe it. Get out of here. Believe it or not. Never heard of something like that happening. Never heard of it. Bullshit. So his story, his act three of his chapter of his life mm-hmm. ends with a lot of bad shit from his <laughs> side of things. Because after England Oops. and France label him as a pirate, he has people hunting him down across the world. Right. He finally makes it back from Madagascar to the West Indies, to the Caribbean. He leaves all of his ships there because he knows that people are looking for those ships. He plunders everything within those ships, orders them to be burnt, and he decides, I think the only way to get right with everybody is to sail back to New York City and plead my case. They're going to completely accept what I have to say. He gets back to New York City. They immediately catch him. They imprison him up in Boston at a very infamous prison for a few years on charges of piracy. And the governor of New York used to be a colleague, a privateer colleague, I believe, of kids. So he's like, look, we don't want this bitch either. I think what we should do is, because I don't want to get my hands dirty or people start talking Mm -hmm. about my history is let's give him up and send him off to London in handcuffs for the king. Okay. So they do that. He gets sent to London. He's put on trial for five counts of piracy, 
and for some murder charges and found guilty on all charges. And he was executed. What? Why? On May 23rd, 1701 at the age of 53-ish. You know, kind of a long life for a pirate. I was just going to say, that's very old. Blackbeard was one of the oldest pirates, and he was like 38 when he died. It's wild. He had, well, I guess so, because he had a couple years of just being a family man in between Regular. Things. That's true. So it maybe that have contributed. But he was hung not once, but twice. Oh, good. It didn't Ooh, take. It didn't. Ooh. Was it a botch the first time? Yes, the rope snaps. Ah, just fucking shoot me with your with your clay bullets no. that's <laughs> why they had to change it if you remember um, I from i believe state killings part one british governments changed yep. the language from to be hung to to be hung until dead mm-hmm. yep. hung from the neck a until lot, dead. a lot of people in the crowd saw that as like an act of god so they were like look yeah. obviously it didn't Agreed. it didn't take he should go free because he was hung but he survived yeah i, I mean i don't yeah. know if i disagree but the crown, <laughs> yeah, I agree. The crown uh, specifically wanted to make him uh, um, an example, so they said no. So a few minutes later, they did round two, and that one took. So he was okay. finally hanged in 1701. And unfortunately, they displayed his body over the Thames uh-huh. River for all ships to see what happens when pirates pirate. His body yeah. stayed up there for three years. Gross. No way. Three days would have been disgusting. So what they do? Just keep his skeleton up there? Just articulated his skeleton? He was in in one of those like cages where there's like a a bar around your mouth, a bar around your chest, a bar around your torso. I see. Oh, that's so So they like kept him like He was confined like this. Yeah. Like he was in a little cage thing. He was like cocooned. Yes. Humans are so good at torture. And so that basically ends the story of his actual life. He supposedly, and I believe he actually did, on his way back up to New York to plead his case, he sold all of his ship's stuff, he burned his ships, and then he buried treasure along the way. Oh, real buried treasure? A lot of buried treasure Mm. stories kind of stored around him. And a lot of treasure hunts have been executed within the centuries. Even as recent as 2007, they have done treasure hunts in parts of Canada and Nova Scotia, in New Jersey, on Long Island, in Boston, and in Madagascar. Mm -hmm. That's Willie Kidd, y'all. That's William. A pirate's life for thee. That's Billy the Kid. That's the original Billy the Kid. Captain Billy the Kid. That's right. Oh, that's Kev. thank you, Kev. You're welcome. To be honest, I've never heard of thank- I've never heard of Captain William. I didn't Kidd. either. So when I saw Megan T's email to us, I was very excited. So again, thank you, Megan. Thanks, Megan. Yeah, thank you, Megan. Because I've I've heard the name Captain Kid, but not as like famous pirate mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. what was his deal mm-hmm. his deal was he kept waffling between being uh an, an enemy of the state and an agent of the state and then he died <laughs> very <laughs> but it was very interesting yeah, yeah very brutally died yeah i didn't even mention the years that he was held in prison in boston and in london were solitary oh. confinement in like the oh. worst oh prisons. no torture Mm-hmm. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Well, Sorry to this man. Sorry to this man. 
<laughs> I always forget when it comes to like pirate stuff that like it wasn't just the Caribbean and like far away. It was it's like the East Coast. It of, was Long of Island. Maryland. There's like pirates there were, yeah. in Long Island. Yeah, there was I think like it was Blackbeard pi- was executed mm-hmm. at like Ocracoke yeah. Island, I think in like South Carolina. Yeah, yeah right. And like or there thereabouts. were Don't pirate battles off of Cape Cod. Like it's it's All so strange. I just think of like the Caribbean always. Who has a spoop for us? Well, I do. <gasps> Edie, you it's do. It's the birthday well, them. It's the birthday them. It's my mm-hmm. birthday. We are going to get real weird with it. Yes. Edie is a biscuit. Wait, it's not like... Let them spoop you up. Yes, so, I will. Now, not cabbage you'll... patch weird, right? Not quite cabbage patch weird. Oh, don't open I... that wound yet. That's <sighs> okay. Still I thought of it. I All thought right. about it. I thought about no. it. No. But uh, I'll save that for a surprising time when you least expect it. Okay. Mm, now, you'll remember from episode 75 that the Earth is maybe, just maybe, a stationary flat disk and not a moving globe. Right. You people poo-pooed the possibility of the flat Earth theory based on little more than blind faith in so-called science and a resolute like unwillingness to engage with anti-Semitic world domination tropes. Fine. <laughs> Fine. I mean... You have to draw a line I, somewhere. Yeah, no, I'll take that accusation. So fine. Maybe the earth isn't flat. Maybe we're on a Oh god. A globe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm nervous about where this is going. But uh what's inside that thing, huh? No. What is inside that thing? No. <laughs> Today, in celebration of the day of my birth, I beseech you to consider the hollow, the hollow earth. earth. Oh no! Earth, Earth, Earth! Oh God, I can't wait. I want to get <laughs> nothing weird, flat nothing earther. weird, uncomfortable, or anti-Semitic about this. I want to get a flat earther and a hollow earther in one room together. Ooh. Oh my God, wouldn't that be Ooh. delish? Two cats in a box. Because does the hollow Earth require it requires it requires a to be glowed so you could be hollow? Right? Yeah, you need oh it. My God. I'd fucking watch that But I'm that sure, fight. Edie, you're going to uh, regale us all about that. In ancient mythology, the question of what's underneath our feet has been explored a lot. Ancient Greeks <laughs> thought that maybe there were caverns under the Earth's surface that led to the underworld. One story in Tibetan Buddhist tradition describes an ancient city called Shambhala nestled deep inside the Earth. Various Celtic legends describe caves through which strange creatures would emerge and other caves that medieval knights and saints would travel into to go inside the earth to purgatory. Origin stories of indigenous peoples in India, Cuba, Brazil, North America, and beyond describe these people's ancestors emerging from subterranean worlds inside the earth. But in the late 1600s, Scientist Edmund Haley, that Edmund Haley, the guy with the comet, ever heard oh. of him? Oh, that dude. Oh, okay. I know. I've heard of him. Well, Haley had some ideas about what's inside there, too. See, he'd encountered some weird readings on compasses as they got near the North and South Poles. And to right. explain these anomalous readings, he got to thinking. Always well, dangerous. Well, we go wrong. Yeah. But also, can I just interject real quick? Haley's Comet would be a great drag name. <gasps> yeah, It would be. Yes. I get on that, that drag performing listeners. 
Now, the result of Haley's thinking was a 1692 publication called An Account of the Cause of the Change of the Variation of the Magnetic Needle with an Hypothesis of the Structure of the Internal Parts of the Earth. Now, God what damn an it, incredibly Edie. succinct title. We did not plan to have stories told with a mention of the 1690s at the same time. Oh, my God. I know. We're it's just a theme. So I know. It's a I theme. Know. We just, we live. It is the triangle of trust, which that has is been so sold, cool. And stolen also yes. from another podcast, but it's here. We, <laughs> it's the telepathic triangle of trust. Yes. That Telepathic. we share vibrations, we share the triple T. energy. It's the triple T. Yeah, the cone of power. Yeah. Yeah, all of it. The cone of power, that's right. Now, <laughs> here's what Haley was writing about in this publication. He figured that the earth consisted of an outer shell, what we stand on, about 500 miles thick. Don't worry about it. Then there were two smaller shells nestled inside those with atmospheres between them and an innermost core. Don't worry about it. Each shell has its own magnetic poles and rotate at different speeds. Don't worry about it. So if it were cut in half, according to Haley, the earth would look like a dartboard or the Target logo. You know what? To be honest, for the time, for our lack of information, this isn't insane. Like, it's not hollow. There's no underworld in there. But, I mean, I feel like this is reasonable curiosity And was this before or after peanut M&M's? This was before peanut M and M's. There you go. There you go. And there you have it. There you there so you go. Thank you, counselor. <laughs> you should just be like a really terrible lawyer. I'd love to see it. <laughs> well, what about the peanut M and M's though? Yeah, that's how he ends every trial. Ties come in. Ties go out. <laughs> you can't explain that. <laughs> some, you win some, you lose some. Now, Haley's conception of the hollow earth kicked around for about 100 years, being disproven, or so they say, until the early 1880s and a guy named John Sims. John was born in New Jersey in 1780 to a prominent family. He was a successful and decorated army captain in the War of 1812 and retired to St. Louis, Missouri in 1816 uh, to trade supplies with American soldiers and indigenous people. And it was here in St. Louis that John got to thinking about Saturn's rings. You know, as one does. Okay. As one does. He's looking up at the St. Louis sky, thinking about space. Thinking about the concentric circles in the rings of Saturn and how, I mean, they simply had to exist elsewhere in the solar system, including Earth. It's just that our circles were underground. John figured, like Edmund Halley, that there were at least five hollow spheres, each with their own atmospheres, which form by clouds pouring inside the Earth through two giant holes, one at the North Pole and one at the South. Gaping. Gaping. How how big are these holes? Huge. Huge. Just one one hand on each side. Goatsy. Just 
Goatsy holes. Thank you. I was waiting. I knew that one of you would do a Goatsy reference. And I'm really pleased to know that it was both of you that missed at the alley-oop. Yep. And Kevin sunk it into the basket. The basket wide Ooh. enough to be a prolapsed anus. Yeah. Also, alley-oop. Excellent drag name. Ooh, alley-oop. Yes. Yes. Right. Sporty. You're Bring the drag into sports. So these holes are enormous, and they're so enormous that the at least the northern one, John said, would spread out into what we'd previously thought were parts of Canada, Iceland, and Greenland. But what about the people who live in Canada, Iceland, and Greenland, thinking that they lived on the outside of the earth? Well, they're wrong. Dum-dums. Idiots. They didn't know it, but they lived on the inside of the earth. John said that refraction bent light rays down into the planet to make things warm enough on the inside of the holes to provide light, warmth, and to create an optical illusion to trick people in places like Iceland into thinking they're part of the outside Earth when really they're in the inner Earth. Inner Earths. Duh. Yeah. You know what else these holes do? (gasps) Tell me. Tell me. What that hole do? What, what those hole holes do? do. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm 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 a 15 year old boy today. I can't help it. <laughs> it's wind. That's how we get it. Wind. The polar okay. holes. The polar holes. Regular winds or monsoons that happen in some parts of the earth come from winds that are sucked into one polar hole and pushed out through the other. And this is the time that I wasn't going to do this. Listener, I wasn't going to do this, but I trust you. You're in our triangle of telepathic trust. One time I queefed at a yoga class in West Hollywood, California. All right. Amazing. Number two. And it was so silent. It was so, the room was so silent. The music so plaintive. And it was like the, the new agey calming music like they do in like a, a waxing studio. Just a piercing through the calm silence. Oh, oh Edie. That's what I love about you. All your sad stories. So that's how that's how we get wind. Is that how wind the, the holes queef them out? Wind goes. But don't in, they have to like go out. through? Like, <laughs> don't they have to like go through the water? Well, the, the there's there's two holes. Oh, miss, they're like I, open. Yeah, holes. you're missing the hole. Miss, the two holes. I just miss. Uh, you're not. No, there's like. I, a I wish you would pay attention in science class, Miss. Think of the holes. Okay, you couldn't literally could not have paid me. However. The only science I liked was chemistry, and that's because it was just because it's just math. The other stuff did not make any sense to me. So yeah. they're saying that the Earth has wind two, goes two holes, one in the north, two one in the south. Open holes, and it's mm-hmm. just like an open, just like trading so, farts between the between sort them. of yeah. And then okay. in, inside the Earth, there's also these um, five concentric Ring. layers, Ring. each of which yeah. has their own atmosphere. Yada yada yada. You get it. Mm-hmm. I do. Don't worry about it. Again. John was super excited about his very cool theory. He wanted to see these holes. <laughs> what them holes do? What them holes do? Hole. What them holes do? In 1818, he sent the following letter to about 500 heads of state, scientific societies, <laughs> and good. universities. Here we go. This will be really good. 
I declare the earth is hollow and habitable within, containing a number of solid concentric spheres, one within the other, and that it is open at the poles 12 or 16 degrees. I pledge my life in support of this truth and am ready to explore the hollow if the world will support and aid me in the undertaking. I'm going to say they didn't support it. Yeah, what well, happened? I mean, here's the, he he wasn't asking for much. Like, here's what he was asking for. I ask 100 brave companions, well equipped, to start from Siberia in the fall season with reindeer and sleighs on the ice of the frozen sea. I engage. We find a warm and rich land stocked with thrifty vegetables and animals, if not men. On reaching one degree northward of latitude 62, we will return in the succeeding spring. So he's he's Santa. He's the proto Santa. Yeah, he's like we're just gonna go with reindeer and sleighs, starting from Siberia. Then we're gonna find the northernmost holes. We'll go down there. What we're gonna find is a warm and rich land stocked with thrifty vegetables and animals, maybe even people. It's so easy. Well, how would the vegetables? Why hasn't anyone thought of this before? It's so easy. And he just sent it to a casual 500 people. He just sent it in a time. This wasn't easy to just like send 500 of something. No, it was 1818. Like like you had to get a printing press. You had to pay for it. You had to collect all those addresses. You might be surprised to hear that nobody bit. I am surprised. Quel surprise. But John was (laughs) undeterred. He simply had to get the funding for his trip to the polar hole. So, because it was the early 1800s and he was a wacky eccentric, John took his show on the road. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, He mm -hmm, toured the mm -hmm. Midwest starting in the early 1820s to mixed reviews. The press and critics made fun of him, but audiences kind of ate it up. One biographer wrote, audiences packed halls expecting high amusement from a madman. They went home wondering if John Sims might not be right after all. He even got Congress to hold a vote on funding for his exposition, though they voted down his grant request. He kept up his speaking tours and started gaining some momentum, but his health was failing and he ultimately died in 1829, never getting to see the hole. Oh, That's don't tragic. you just hate not getting to see a hole? I know. Yeah. I know. You do a lot to see hole and then. Sure do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But Mm -hmm, John had mm -hmm. an impact on American scientific exploration. One of John's patrons, Ohio newspaper editor Jeremiah Reynolds, took up the hollow earth cause for a time. And he even got funding for an Antarctic expedition that sailed from New York City in 1829. (laughs) The crew encountered a great deal of danger, reached the Antarctic shore, found nothing, and started to return north. But on the return trip at Valparaiso, Chile, the crew mutinied and stuck Reynolds on shore where he wandered around for the next two years. And Reynolds eventually abandoned the hollow earth theory. And mutinies also a connection between stories. Wow. Yes. Right. We're just so fucking good. And then you might not be surprised to hear that hollow earth started to gain some popularity in fiction in 1864 jules verne published a journey to the center Mm -hmm. of the earth which describes an expedition inside the earth through the mouth of a fictional icelandic volcano 
The main characters don't reach the center, but they do discover an underground ocean that's inhabited by creatures long believed to be extinct, and they escape back to the surface through another volcano. Another hole. And a very fun version of the Hollow Earth theory was put forward by 1800s natural healer and eventual cult leader Cyrus Teed. He argued oh. that, get this, we were the ones actually living in the Hollow Earth. <gasps> Boom. Damn. Mic drop. Did I just blow your fucking mind? Once again, you have. When we look up at the universe, what we're seeing is actually an illusion made by a solar mechanism. Don't worry about it. And the stars were just reflections of that mechanism's light. Don't worry about it. Teed got a small cult following him and renamed himself Koresh. Not that Koresh, but it's fun that there's two. Oh, my yep. goodness. I forgot about that. I forgot about the Koresh connection. Yes. These Koreshans started a colony in Estero, Florida in 1894, but disbanded after Cyrus T. died in 1908. And then we have to take a brief jaunt to the Nazis. (laughs) Do we? Wait, I'm sorry. (laughs) God damn it. Only briefly, because Nazi hollow earth theory is going to be its own spoopy story. Oh, my God. Of course it is. The Nazi-era Tula Society, future sus- mm-hmm. subjects of the pod, talked a lot oh, yeah. about Tibetan myths about openings into the earth that they got from, for example, MHB herself, Madame mm-hmm. Helena Blavatsky. Oh, my goodness. Right. Now, the biggest modern-day expedition to the hollow earth was set to happen in 2007. Hollow earth author Rodney Clough was one of the organizers. Rodney is the author of the book, World Top Secret, colon, Our Earth Is, all caps, hollow. Got it. It's available on his website, OurHollowEarth.com. Rodney says that there's another sun in the center of the Earth and that the Garden of Eden, the utopia from which Adam and Eve were banished, is actually inside the Earth itself. Oh, Rodney believes that peoples from the lost tribes of Israel, Viking colonists from Greenland, Inuit people, and what he describes as German refugees from World War II all live inside the hollow earth. Now, refugees. Yeah, I don't know. War criminals. Listener, I don't know if your ears pricked up at the mention of German refugees from World War II. But mine did, and Mrs. did, and Kevin did. (laughs) Rodney also writes extensively about an international banking conspiracy that has worked to cover up the existence of the hollow earth. Banking? Presumably to keep us from returning home to the Garden of Eden. Now, when I searched one of his 2019 writings for the word Jew, nothing came up. But international banker showed up 12 times. Of course. Shut up. That's so stupid. Rodney claims to have seen evidence of or spoken to at least 10 people who've traveled to the inner earth, among them a Nazi U-boat sailor. Rodney wanted to go himself. So he and others built a website for the expedition, voyagehollowearth.com. The trip would last for 24 days from June 26, 2007 to July 19, 2007, and would cost around 20 grand to take part in, which when you consider the cost of going to see the Titanic and then imploding, that's mm-hmm. a steal. 
That is a steal. The website included an itinerary. Day one, arrive in Moscow, Russia on your own dime. Days two and three, sightseeing. At the end of day three, participants would board a Russian icebreaker to travel the North Pole. They'd get there on day eight, where the itinerary says participants will spend the day at the North Pole and even call home to talk to family or friends. Ominous. Then the group would spend three days looking for the polar hole that leads to the inner Earth. Then things get a little bit bizarre. They would travel up Hitakel River to the city of Jehu and then take a monorail trip to the city of Eden to visit the palace of the king of the inner world. After hanging out in Eden for a while, they'd make their trip home. Here's what Rodney thinks is happening there. Okay. What he describes as the truth. God, our creator, exists, and he made this world to be inhabited both within and without. Earthquakes cause the earth to ring like a bell, which is not full of lava, but hollow. The auroras. Where's the lava? It's not there. If there's there's lava that comes out of volcanoes, it's like just in the crust. It's not deep, 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 deep. Mm, uh So like uh directly uh under our feet, it's like 3,000 degrees. The auroras are not caused by a solar wind from our outer sun, but by an inner sun that gives life and light to an inner world where our ancestors, Adam and Eve, came from, the Garden of Eden. No. Yeah. Our hollow earth is where the lost 10 tribes of Israel went to live for 2,500 years as their creator had asked them to live a life of peace, happiness, and abundance soon they will emerge to our outer world to help us with their knowledge and with their technology to give us an economy of abundance and peace not wars what the the fuck is this wakanda yeah it will be the political kingdom of god with jesus christ the prince of peace as king are you ready no i guess no i'm not and i will not prepare Unfortunately, the trip didn't end up happening. One of the leaders of the expedition died of brain cancer. Then, according to Rodney, another leader died after his plane flew into a mountain. And then finally, the third one had to pull out because the biggest investor in his company said that he'd pull funding if that guy didn't give up the hollow earth stuff. Good. (laughs) Good. Generally don't respect, you know, CEOs and shit, but good on you, buddy. Investor, man. Rodney's still hopeful that an expedition would someday happen. Uh, Rodney himself can't lead it, he says, because he's an author and not an adventurer. But he still believes in the hollow earth and the international banking conspiracy undergirding it. And that, Mm. my friends, is a birthday introduction to the hollow earth. (laughs) It's your birthday, so we let you have it. Don't... (laughs) Look, it wasn't it wasn't cabbage patch kids. That's very but it true. It wasn't and it was a lot less uncomfortable than the cabbage patch kids. So thank you. <laughs> now it's actually really interesting that people sort of devote their lives to like these. I mean, I can't really say people devote their lives to a lot of things that maybe I don't understand, but like to this specific conspiracy is sort of wild to me. I just feel like you run into a lot of um, common sense roadblocks on the on the journey to this belief, but well, that's just me. Yeah, it's it's this. For me, the common thread is 
you know, I experienced some dissatisfaction with my life right. or the world right. as it is. But what if the world as it is isn't really the world as it is? What if it's something better or different? Uh, yeah. What if I can know something that others don't? And what if my what if dissatisfaction can be one. explained? Yeah. Mm -hmm. What if my dissatisfaction can be explained by, you know, right. having this this other i was supposed to be on the inner world and that's why i'm so unhappy so i need to i need to get there right right and those international bankers wink wink, wink, wink. are keeping us from the truth so that we can't reach the garden of eden that they know is there oh damn well i i fully appreciate you bring that story thank you so much and miss how did it feel being an audience member this time oh i had a great time I I can't wait for our telepathic triangle of trust merch to start rolling in. I really loved your your pirate story. I thought it was a lot of fun. And I think oh. it's amazing that once again we have created an accidental theme in our stories. And yes. I don't know. Sixteen hundreds and mutinies. That's right. Listeners, if you have any comments or questions or corrections for today's little tales, you could always reach out to us on Instagram at creepy inquiries pod. You could also shoot us an email like Megan did and send us your suggestions, your sure ideas, can. your comments at creepy inquiries pod at gmail.com. And then if you're ever interested, our sources and such are located on our website at creepy inquiries Com. If you are feeling so generous, please take a second to go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening and give us a cute little rate or review. It really helps us out. Five stars or I will gather your friends in a group chat without you and vote to mutiny. Oh, no. <gasps> That's so fucking mean. That would be so Don't let no. that happen. Just give that us five stars. Five stars. Yeah. Yeah. That's so Listener, cool. thank you so much for joining us on episode 82, the Gloria Allred-aged episode. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> and until next time... Good. Good.